This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. My name is Dylan Haddam. I'm the founder and CEO of DS Projects. I love how content has created a universal language and connected billions of people across the world. Visual content and advertising has been flipped on its head. An industry that was once ruled by the top holding companies has opened its gates to modern-day creators who produce authentic visuals, original imagery, and localized stories for the most respected brands in the world. DS Projects is bringing this vision to the likes of Adidas, Budweiser, Foot Locker, Governor's Ball Music Festival by navigating the new landscape of creatives, those who are leading the future of advertising. Coming up, you'll hear about the ongoing mission to work with major brands who are looking to be agile, produce high-quality content, and require authentic and original imagery, all to inspire action and unlock new audiences. From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business. Conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. It's a fabulous day here in New York. I'm here with Michael, my lovely co-host, and we're so happy to have you, Dylan. Thank you for having me. Really great to have you here and so excited about this conversation. I would love to start by asking you about the origins of DS Projects. You talk about the connected story across millions of people, solving it for brands. What is, just to slightly focus us, what is the biggest challenge in trying to achieve that? Yes. Yeah, so, wow, almost of a loaded question because there's a bit of a deep background, but the the solution that we're really trying to solve for is helping brands create more authentic content, helping them create really original storylines. And one of the difficulties of doing so is a lot of these brands have worked with these legacy agencies for a very long time and being able to not only educate them on the new guard of content and advertising, but then also getting them to pay for those services. What's the biggest selling point, do you think, for young up-and-coming agencies with new way of thinking, much more agile? What's How do you infiltrate that old habit of working with larger agencies? What's what's really the big value prop for you guys? So one of the biggest value props is really having an ear to the ground. And that's understanding new creatives that are emerging, um, new stories for brands to tell, and being able to not really have to focus on these massive roundtables with 30 different people and really going with your gut and working with people who are new to the scene and can bring a fresh new perspective. I really want to get to know you and DS Projects. And and part of that is, give me an example, and it doesn't have to be your own, of freaking good content you've interacted with recently or something that made you laugh. Just give me, I, I want to get a sense of kind of the, the the personality of who you are in DS Projects and what you like. So interestingly enough, this isn't necessarily the content that we create, but Dollar Shave Club, the video, the first commercial that they put out that went viral on YouTube, that was incredible. 
Yeah. It was authentic. The founder did it himself. He had people that he worked with in the warehouse. It wasn't a massive budget and it was engaging. And so our themes are maybe not as comedic as that video was, but the idea of, hey, advertising can be real. There are real people behind this and there are real consumers who are purchasing what we're trying to sell. Let's speak to them in that authentic way. Right, right. And I'd imagine in that conversation, when you start hitting the nugget of it's honest, it's true, it's approachable, you get really excited in that meeting, right? Like you, you, it gets all of the creative juices working at one time. Have you had that sort of conversation with a brand where it clicked and you're like, I, I know what's going to be the most honest way to portray your brand? perfect example is we just had an opportunity to work with Foot Locker. They were releasing a new shoe with Adidas and they came to us and they said that they wanted to target the 18 to 24 year old DIY creative. And so what we decided was instead of having people who weren't necessarily in the demographic to speak to who and what the do-it-yourself creative is, our campaign was a campaign within a campaign. So we actually hired two 20-year-olds and went to them and said, what does the DIY creative spirit mean to you? And how would you portray that if we gave you the resources to be able to tell that story? And so we worked with these two 20-year-olds and they each produced 30-second commercials around what the DIY creative spirit means to them. One of the creators actually did a video on himself and walk through his process. And the other creators decided, instead of telling you how we're creative, why don't we show you how we're creative? Hmm. And they literally took the budget and our production, and they went ahead and created an epic commercial <laughs> for Foot Locker and Adidas. That's amazing. So two, same storyline, but two totally different perspectives told by the exact people who the brand is trying to target. That's amazing. So, but to go back to your question, Michael, about let's get to know DS Project, what would be the campaign you would create for yourself? Oh, If wow. you were the brand and we were the client, what would we need yeah, to do to fulfill RFP that? Like, yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> you know what's interesting is uh, the RFPs we get are kind of... Or all... her, her, we should do something, right? You're yeah, in the yeah, content yeah. business. Yep. I'm the design side. Yeah. This is great. Um, <laughs> we'll pitch you. So <laughs> it, it's interesting. We um, Because we're a small team... And we're not at the RGAs or the mothers of the world. A lot of times, the RFP process is actually more of a conversation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. so the the benefit is we get to have conversations with brand directors and up at some of the largest brands in the world. And we have conversations. Yeah. And we get to text each other. And we call when we need to call. And it's very organic. The difficulties is sometimes you want a little bit more direction and you'd expect when you're working with these really large brands that they would be able to give you a little bit of lead as to what they want. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the actual RFP, you know, let's talk about one, a new skincare company. They've been around, they're doing about 3 million bucks a year. And generally we don't work with like smaller startups, it's generally major brands like Fortune 1000, but they have really hit on their target consumer. And what they know best is their exact consumer. What people come to us for is how do we unlock these new audiences? And a lot of the times it comes down to creating these stories that are specific, but they're not just speaking to the exact demographic that you want to target. And it's a little bit more engaging and interactive. 
And so what we're putting together for them now isn't just, hey, here are the creatives in terms of the photos and the really type of video mood boards that you should be looking at, but really bringing them much different content than they're used to. So their idea of video is having someone stand in front of the product and sort of applying it to themselves and it's three minutes long and who's necessarily watching that. Our approach there is educating them on, hey, we could instead of doing all of that, why don't we create 15 five second videos that are much more engaging? Mm -hmm. They'll speak to your audience, but let's say someone's scrolling on Instagram and it goes on their explore feed. They know exactly what they're getting themselves into right away. Um, so that somewhat of a loose answer. Yeah. But the, the so this, this is, is more like top of funnel content. That, that is exactly is, right. That's the level you're we're, we're really working upper funnel. Yeah. What's interesting is my background is in ad tech. Okay. And I spent about six years uh, in programmatic advertising, which is on the exact opposite spectrum of mm -hmm. original content. Mm -hmm. And so that was all direct response. Yeah. So, it's interesting to now be in the content world where we are playing a bit more in that upper funnel and telling these stories because, you know, the metrics are a bit harder to prove. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Granted, some of the metrics in programmatic are, yeah, are <laughs> yeah. not proven. <laughs> uh, how, 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 that, that process, though, like you're saying, here's the, here's the identity and audience that you are very much prescribing we fit within. We're going to get you out of that zone a little bit. What does that creative process look like internally when you're sitting with your team or your team's working and presenting yeah. something to you to get the client to think maybe it's not even completely different, but it's angled in a way that provides them a new audience and a new way of looking at themselves? Totally. So that's an awesome question. Mm -hmm. uh, and I never get asked that. So generally the way it works is I don't bill myself as a creative director, but I'm able to really like uncover what they're trying to do. From there, we have a strategist who will work across all the different verticals that we're on, whether we're dealing with a travel client, a beauty client, because she has the aesthetic of DS projects. And then what we rely on is our network of creators to not only produce, but we'll bring in one or two if it's a big enough project. And whoever aligns with whatever the brand is, we're going to want them to help bring their input in as well. So it's beautiful because you get the aesthetic that you're looking for, but you're also getting different opinions from trusted people in our network that can help elevate what we're trying to bring to you. That's wonderful. That's great. I'm fascinated about the shift from ad tech to creative. What drove that decision making or what was the opportunity that presented itself to make that jump? So it's a bit of a story. I was in programmatic advertising at MediaMath, which is a one of the largest private demand side platforms. Absolutely loved it. Great CEO, great bosses, everything. And while I was at MediaMath, this is probably, I don't know, maybe five and a half years ago, is when Instagram started to really take off and photographers started to realize that they could upload their photos from their SLR cameras onto Instagram. And then like, Visco came out and people were editing content in a way that was like really cool. Yeah. So this whole new emerging community of these super diverse creators started popping up all over Instagram. So I ended up DMing one of these creators or photographers. His name's uh, Stephen Irby. He's now the founder of Street Dreams Magazine. His handle's at Steve Sweatpants. And I said, hey, I have this epic roof. Do you want to come and shoot one day? So he came along with another friend, Raheem, and they brought this kid, Ryan Perilla. 
And mm. Ryan at that time was 15 years old. And I didn't know it, but when we were shooting, he was capturing images on the roof that I had been living in on for the past two years. And the way that he was capturing it was totally different from what I'd ever done or any other guest that I had had up there. So the next morning, I DM'd Ryan and I said, hey, man, awesome time hanging out yesterday. Interested in having a conversation. And he's like, sure. So I met him in Bryan Park and I said, hey, I've never managed anyone before. I've never had a creative role in my entire life, but I have a vision that you can become a famous photographer. He looked at me like I was insane, but obviously I said we could make some money along the way and he thought it'd be interesting. Went to go meet his parents. They said, this is great. Sign Ryan Ryan to a management contract. And literally as a little side hustle, I just started touting Ryan as a prodigy photographer. And so the good news is, He was a prodigy photographer and he had the product to back it up. I wasn't just selling thin air. So first thing I did was how do we get as many eyeballs as possible on Ryan? I penned an article and passed it along to a writer at Business Insider and she loved it. She made her tweaks. She verified everything and she published this story about Ryan. From there, Ryan got involved with Nike. He got involved with Canon. We got him written up in like every other online major publication. And this is all while I was in ad tech. Hmm. While I was doing that after uh, media math, I went to complex networks. Complex.com is their uh, main website to build out their programmatic stack. And I had been doing more and more with Ryan and through Ryan, I had just met this massive network of these creators, these photographers and videographers who were young and they were diverse and they were interesting and they were bringing a different perspective to the kind of imagery that really both advertising and non-advertising had had before. And so after a year of being there, decided, let's just go for this and figured I could always get a job in programmatic somewhere. And I just didn't feel like I was able to grow the corporate ladder in a way that some of my peers were. And I figured I'd have a better chance of making it to the quote unquote top if I forged a path for myself. Build your own. And so I didn't have a game plan. I originally (laughs) was representing photographers and doing brand partnerships. Cool. It took me a year and a half to realize that brand partnerships really meant like ad agency. Right. Shifted away from representing photographers and then started focusing on going to major brands who were looking to get new and interesting content developed for mm-hmm. their channels and sort of just barged right in through the front door. That's awesome. I mean, you are not only doing the thing that a brand wants to do, which is appeal to younger audiences, but you're speaking the language and you're approaching whether it be talent, for example, through a DM, or I'm sure barging through the door with like, I'm scrappy, I, I see this differently, and I'm going to help you get there. And to any brand, and I work at a legacy brand at Hearst, is refreshing, right? So how do you stay fresh? How do you, you know, every project comes through, sure, you have a vision, but at some point, How do you get to remind yourself or refresh that creative part of your brain and thinking of something or reigniting maybe the the excitement? Number one is the people that you have around. And so the beauty of being agile and working with a network of creators is we could bring in anyone we want at any time. 
and we don't have to pay them a crazy salary and we can build rapport with one another, learn about what their interests are, see how they can help out. And they bring a totally different perspective. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you vet and prove them before you put them in front of a brand? I vet, that's risky, I, right? I, I vet and, uh, approve everyone. And generally we're not putting them in front of the brand in terms of, uh, pitches. It's more so when the actual pitches come forth, then they'll work on it. But our core team is the one who has brand communication. That's awesome. My favorite part of the podcast is coming up. We are going to head into our snack. Love it. So, Dylan, tell us about your snack. All right, well, I... Loving the presentation, by the way. I have two goodies. One's a a perishable, um, and the other's a little different. So, number one is dark chocolate. Whenever I go home, there's always dark chocolate in the fridge. And so it reminds me of being at home. So I brought a bar for each of us to take a little piece of. (laughs) Um, And so we'll pass that over there. And then the other thing I brought is actually a plant, which we're not going to be eating, uh, not going to be smoking. It is a pothos plant. And this is an indoor plant that just represents growth. And it's something that I wanted to give to you guys to keep here. I just love plants and love the idea of growth and just thought I'd bring a little bit of myself to leave in the office. That's That's amazing. Thank you so much. Coming up next, you're going to hear some thoughts on how brands could and should be thinking about the future and potentially how they need to course correct. Hi, I'm John Matson. I'm one of the hosts of Travel is Your Business. And if you're interested in what's going on behind the scenes within the travel industry, you have to check out this show. We cover everything from the aviation industry to hospitality, hotels and accommodations, even in-destination and touristic experiences. If you work within the travel industry, this is an important resource for you. You'll hear from not only executives and leaders within the industry, but also new innovations and technologies that are coming to market right now. And if you're not in the travel industry, you're going to gain insights that help you connect with a traveler and their experience to advance your career. So come along for the ride. You can listen and subscribe to Travel Is Your Business wherever the best podcasts are found. This is really an open question and discussion for Michael and Dylan. You know, how should brands be thinking about the future? You know, what are they not focusing on that they really should in order to stay relevant in six months' time, in a year's time? So I was listening to the interview with Monica from Budweiser, and what she loved about content is how it's become democratized. And so I think it's important for brands to be able to expand their world of who's creating content and reach out to different parties to be able to see what's new and what's out there instead of potentially working with the same teams and the same agencies and the same production companies that they're always working so with. So experimenting, continuing to experiment, iterate. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it, so I've had two, I was in ad tech prior to these two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I was at, at a rich media company out in San Francisco, built a platform, but we'll leave that in the past. The other two organizations are the New York Times and now Hearst. And um, if I think about what was missing or what had gone, uh, what, what, what had led the companies astray was that we forgot our purpose. 
Now, if you look at the New York Times, they've done a remarkable job of turning that around and becoming yeah. a front-facing brand that understands who its audience is. But now at Hearst, and we, you know, you were at Complex, and this is a legacy company that has done one thing the same way for so long. One, I completely agree. It has to start with your team, right? I think we're on the same page with that. I, I'm surrounded by young millennials who are excited about news, and that is not something you hear about often. Uh, we believe passionately that news is important for democracy, so we can state that. Two, that we serve a purpose to create an environment or design a product that is for the reader first. So I, I agree. I think DS Project, you're thinking about it the exact right way, which is it's about restoring faith in my brand, why we exist, and why people trust us. So I think maybe that's the starting point or the pivoting point is to really, if you think about not what my brand meant in 1854, yep. but what my brand is in 2019. Yep. And I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Look at what Complex is doing. Yeah. Start as a magazine. Yeah. Now they've got Complex Con, which is one of the biggest cultural events, if not the biggest cultural event in the US. They're selling their hot one sauce. They've That's got right. That's right. Yeah, they're doing supposedly seven million bucks a year with that. Mm -hmm. They're working with OTT providers to distribute their content. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting out there and they're creating content in a way that's fresh and engaging. They're taking on Snapchat. They're their Instagram is the greatest Instagram of all time. And so they're creating a fresh perspective where, yes, they recognize the past and Complex has always stuck to their roots, but they're also looking to the future and they're not being stale. Yeah. And that's why they're so successful as a media company right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously every company has their own issues, but you're not always seeing them in the same conversations as the Refinery29s and the vices of the world. What, yeah. what comes first, though? Is it, is, does the brand come first and then the content comes second? Or do they, they have to live equal to each other in every endeavor? So the brand really does come first. You know, people want to go to the brand because of what the brand stands for. And so let's say you're a major apparel company and you say, let's just totally scrap everything and move into another direction. You may be speaking to a new audience, mm -hmm. but you still do have your core, core existing business, audience. Yeah. So the idea is how do we modernize what we're doing with our existing business that is speaking to the modern consumer? I mean, we, we've talked about this in a previous episode about Patagonia and how they – something about their brand understanding clicked and they took off Black Friday. And it's a day off for employees. It's that the brand understood about the whole purpose of their product was to get outdoors, uh, not be – you know, sort of you have this long weekend. Don't spend it shopping in our stores. Mm -hmm. Go go out there and explore. Help me and, – and, and to whatever degree you, you feel comfortable doing this, but a brand that was – that you had an opportunity to work with that was so stuck in its ways and maybe unaware that it had become not as relevant to its audience. And maybe walk me through a little bit about what you saw that may have been missing or they may have been overlooking and then how that got applied maybe to uh, modern sort of or more, more contemporary uh, outlets. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the companies that we work with, we reach out to. Yeah. And so interestingly enough, it's not like our inbox is flooded with like the biggest brands in the world saying, we need what you guys are doing. Right, right. It's us going well, to now. them and saying, you, <laughs> you need, need us. Yeah, like, <laughs> you need us. Um, respectfully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's the interesting thing is they know what they're looking for. But look, how many people out there are selling content? Well, right. This is a conversation for like another podcast. Like right. what is content? You know right. what I mean? And so when they're thinking content, they could think content is 
Jake Paul. Right. They think content is an Instagram creator. So the whole definition of content is like, it'd be hard to not be on like the ground floor of this because my mind would be blown trying to figure it out. But so a lot of the brands, it's us so saying, hey, we have an idea that you're talking about this. We saw that your CMO was talking about this. We know you want to create localized content. This is our perspective on the content. Hmm. And then they're able to digest it and set up those meetings. Second part of the question you asked, I forgot. Well, I mean, I just, I, I think, and I don't know what Foot Locker or, or any other brand was doing, but how to get them to think more openly about where their brand is in relation yeah. to where it should be. And and if you've had that, you've had a client that maybe didn't see it and then you got them to think that way yeah. and everything and just kind of rolled And what was that pivotal yeah. moment? So, yeah. so many of them are aware of it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, if I'm walking into a brand right now and they're not aware of this, come on. Right, right. Everyone is aware of this. I think the way to, not I think, I know the way to apply it is test. Mm. Yeah. Test. Throw some money out there. Yeah. You know how much you guys are touting in your media spend and your content spend, right, right. giving it to the same few people. Right. Test it with another party. And that's the way to go out there. So that that's what's been the most fun is going back to what Monica said about the democracy of content. It's very easy to give test budget out to different parties. You do not have to worry about your quarterly shoots mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you're spending two million dollars on them you're mm -hmm. doing a shoot every day and they're going to cost whatever that divided by 365 is mm -hmm. and so you're able to feel less pressure right now by working with new parties it just you can't be a sheep yeah you know going back to what we said you're, you're at these companies for two years a lot of times it's hard to go against the grain but if you go out there and you want to make an impact and you want to do something different then being able to go to the higher-ups at a company and being able to say, I don't want to change everything. Let's just test. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times when we're talking content, it's a blog post. Mm -hmm. It's a exactly. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We're right, not right. running a, yeah. a, <laughs> a native <laughs> post. <laughs> Straight up, don't give a new company the production to do a Super Bowl commercial. Right. If you mess that up, that's a waste of money. Right. But you're running one Instagram post a day, one tweet a day. You're telling me that you can't find budget to go out and find someone new to work with. And so that's how we apply it is by convincing brands and them, of course, willingly agreeing to test. And now that we're at a point where we've done so much testing, we are able to say we've moved up the ranks totally. a little yeah. bit. And also there's over a period of time with multiple touch points, multiple days of content, you build up a trust level, you... You get it right, you get it wrong, you course correct, you 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 integrate their tone and develop something. It takes time to develop yeah. is what I'm saying. And I think people are much more open to that. So true. Great example I will give you is Airbnb. Hmm. They have a product, Airbnb Experiences. They need global content. Right. Theoretically, Airbnb could go to two massive agencies and have them deploy their network of creators. They are working with big agencies, of course. But Airbnb is also going to smaller teams and more agile teams Absolutely. who can create yep. localized content without putting up a fuss. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm saying that is because we work with them. And that's been a pleasure because there wasn't even any convincing. They knew they had to do it. Mm -hmm. They knew their game plan was already going to be to work with more agile, localized teams. And they're doing it. 
Yeah. Of course, are they potentially having some issues with that? Yes. Life is not perfect. However, we're talking to them all the time and it's fun to be able to see them sticking to their word and working with localized creators and working with localized teams to create the content that they need. I was going to say, actually, I think you're probably seeing this perspective too of organizations that are changing in order to be better suited for this sort of mm. um, big bet, more d- distributed bets across yeah. uh, along. So you've seen that change. Are you seeing that on, I don't know if you work much with the media agency groups, but are they also changing? So or do you not? Transparently, yeah. we don't work with a lot of media agencies. Okay. We actually go direct to brand the majority Which of is the great. time. Yeah. Um, we do have amazing experiential agencies okay. that we work with. Uh, and the whole pitch there is transforming events totally. into digital campaigns. Totally, totally. Uh, we work with more conventional ad agencies. Okay. The media agencies is when we will work with them when we're having our creators distribute the content right. on their that channels. Sense. That makes sense. Um, but generally That's not great. going with the media agencies. And, and experiential, I mean, I used to, I had the chance to work with uh, Fake Love for a bit, who's out in Dumbo. Um, have you guys done any sort of kick-ass like experiential activations more recently that you'd want to share? Because that's content. And I think that mm-hmm. is yes. the coolest content yep. that as a consumer can interact yeah. with. Life is Beautiful Music Festival okay. uh, in Las Vegas. They've historically worked with event photographers, event videographers. It's kind of hard to describe how that content looks, but it's kind of like fisheye lens, uh, meaning like super wide angle totally. lens. Coverage. Yes. It's not you're not in it. We're taking the approach of shooting events like campaigns. Think about an event. The lighting is there. Mm-hmm. The people are happy. The production is already there. Let's create beautiful campaign style content that can live on channels throughout the weekend mm-hmm. or through Evergreen. You know, there's a big beverage brand that we work with that once a month you'll see a sh- you'll see shots that we took at a little event from eight months ago that you'd have no idea it was at an event and it lives on as evergreen content. Nice. And so that that's something I'm obsessed with is, hey, I love talking to digital marketers. I love being able to go to brand managers at Fila or Puma or wherever. Mm-hmm trying to convince and work with experiential marketers and have them tag team up with digital marketers. That's That's been one of the most challenging yet interesting parts of my job because I truly see an opportunity there. Experiences, very high touch point, low reach. Mm -hmm. Digital, high reach, a little bit low in terms of the reaction just given how much noise there is on on digital channels. You combine the two and you transform your events into these di- digital mm-hmm. campaigns. You get more reach. Millennials love visuals. And and it's really just a win-win considering how expensive a lot of these events can be and the practical reach that they have. Mm-hmm. Where does, so where does UGC, user-generated content, fit into all of this? You know, I think for many years UGC has had a bad rep, but there is leverage. There is value in it how do you embrace that into the brand conversation coming up we are going to jump into getting to know dylan a little bit more on a personal level hey there are you having 
bad Monday? Well, you shouldn't have a bad Monday because you just downloaded funny people talking on your phone, right? So just click the play button. Wait, Danielle, Danielle. What? What's funny people talking? Oh, it's this podcast with, I mean, you're one of the co-hosts, Mark. It's oh, yeah. you and me and, and Elsie, our producer, she's there. And we have really cool guests on like illustrators and comedians and actors. You should listen. Do you listen to your own podcast? I hear it every time we record it. It's a really good show. You should listen to. Uh, do you listen, Elsie? No. Typical. She, I know. Typical producer. You know who listens? All of our fans who love the show. Listen to Funny People Talking. Mm. It comes out every Monday on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. So how does Westchester Boy end up <laughs> in cool Soho, is it? Yeah. Soho based based agent. Give us a little bit of a bit of a background. I feel like I've never like acted my age. I've always wanted to hang out with younger folks. Um, <laughs> and so man, about me, I'm 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 an open door. The the office is an open door. We're on a beautiful block down in Soho. We have an incredible office. It's small, but it's amazing. And the people that know where we are, they're always welcome to come through. And so that's what's fun for me is being able to have everyone in and out. And that's how you connect with people on a personal level. You know, the people we're doing business with are, I always feel weird saying this to brands, but they're friends. Yeah. Because I feel like brands think like they're people I grew up with and I'm just trying to like give them work. But no, it's it's friends. There's the t-shirt I'm wearing right now, Inspire Action, is one of our taglines that we love and we're working with a friend of ours who is just getting into doing merch and asked if he could do something with our taglines. And now we're going to work on a little merch line together. That's got nothing to do with client work. I was out in Bushwick last night making these, having fun. Um, and so I just like to have a good time. And I don't really ever think about public opinion with stuff that I'm doing so long as I'm not physically or mentally harming anyone. Yeah. Well, take me back to, I mean, in knowing you for the past hour, let's say, you're extremely creative, you're scrappy, you are in some way an opportunist, you're always looking for a new opportunity. High school years, you're younger, like, were you a kid who was just always looking to try something new, monetize something that you thought was cool? Give me a little sense there. Like, this all starts somewhere. <laughs> I see ringleader. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I see selling things at the at high school. Making everyone laugh. Yeah. <laughs> selling things in high school. Uh, <laughs> I love my, monetiz tapes, the I don't monetization know, yeah. is important. Yeah. I want to be able to afford things and build a growing family. And so, yeah, like money has kind of always been important to me. Yeah. But again, so long as I'm doing it my way, not physically harming anyone, mentally totally harming totally. anyone. Yeah. Middle school, I was the guy selling candy. Yeah. And when I realized that. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. I could get it cheaper at Costco instead of CVS, yep. I had my mom take me. And then when I realized I couldn't be in two places at one time, I would have kids sell the candy for me. Yep. So, yeah, that, that was always me. Um, yeah. I'm also not the biggest risk taker. Hmm. People, I think people think that I am yep. because I'm boisterous or I have my own company, but I'm really not. And so there's definitely ideas that I've had that I haven't run with that 
hurts me a little bit because yeah. I think that if I went out a little bit more and I, I could do more things. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always the person to try something new, meet new people. I don't care where you come from. I don't care about your background. I want to meet interesting people yeah. and the people I meet and who I like are the creative people. Totally. What I care about you because you're rich and you're an investment banker. And no, you have all this work. You've got your network of content creators, your friends. You were alone and you're just looking to relax and and, and de stress. What brings you personal joy? And maybe it's work, but let's let's put that aside yeah. for a second. What do you do for yourself that you enjoy? Number one, my brother has a ten month old first nephew in the family. Congrats. His name's Rafael, aka Rafa. AKA Rafaelito. <laughs> I love little Rafaelito and I see him all the time. If I'm in by myself doing my own thing, I brought you guys a plant because I love plants. My fiance and I have a bunch in the apartment. That's just something to keep alive and, and growth is amazing. Yeah. I love photography. Yeah. I, I truthfully don't shoot that much anymore, but just went to Greece and the only camera I brought was a little 35 millimeter. Nice, nice. So shot like three rolls. Nice, that was nice, awesome. nice. <laughs> the shots were cool. Black and white, what color? Uh, a little of both, 50-50. <laughs> and uh, I like going for walks. I, I, yeah. I, I, like, I like taking laps. That's my thing. Yeah. Laps around the block. Best. You're Amazing. in New York City, why not? Love yeah. <laughs> if there's a brand out there that you would just love to get your hands on you don't have to name the brand but what sector would it be in is there a particular sort of product type a particular area of business that you're fascinated with that you just feel you could have real impact i love cars personally i think a lot of what i see from auto brands falls into the stale side of content and relevancy and being able to work with a major auto brand would be incredible with an always-on campaign that had different elements to it, spanned different cities, involved digital, involved offline, um, and really got them ingrained in local communities in major cities across the U.S. That's really interesting because there's so much, uh, you know, car the automotive industry, the whole kind of high-end commercial photography. Right. Everybody's kind of bored with it, but the companies just think, we have to have it this way. There's no other I mean, way. I don't know if I can watch another car ad where two cars are – it's competitor car in back, my car in front, going up some snowy hill, mm. no, talking about exactly traction. No, and there's the shot behind <laughs> oh, the steering wheel. Snooze. It's yeah. car in a parking lot <laughs> dodging cones. yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I, I've always one of the dream projects that projects I've always wanted to do is an airplane. I think that, there's that something be, that, that would be number two for me. Yeah, commercial airline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would mm -hmm. be absolutely number two. You've yeah. got the world. Yeah, the world, and not just travel. Right. Everything yeah. falls under right. the airlines. Also, how cool would be the decal on the plane to see that? That'd be sick. Pretty sick, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Dylan, share with us your final thoughts as we as we wrap up today's episode. What thought do you want to leave with our audience my final thought is to not be afraid to meet new people and it's very easy to go out to an event and hang out with the folks that you came with and go home with the folks that you came with and talk to the people that you came with at the event and being able to meet different folks and keeping an open mind is really special and even in a digital ecosystem 
That's how we met. I love this podcast. I think it's great. I wanted to be on it, share a story, and put myself out there. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing is don't be scared when people put themselves out there. And yourself, you shouldn't be scared to put yourself out there because no one's judging. And if they are, it doesn't matter. Amazing. And finally, how can our audience reach you? You can reach me at Dylan at dsprojects.co, D-Y-L-A-N dot co, and dsprojects.co is our website. I forgot to ask, what does DS stand for? DS, S is my middle initial, uh-huh. and I started the business when I didn't, oh, I needed an LLC, and I didn't want people to know that it was just me. And so it wasn't like DH projects. So <laughs> yeah. that's a, my initial Saul. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for joining us, Dylan. Yeah, it's thank been you an so much. Absolute joy. And thank you to Michael. As always, a pleasure. Fantastic seeing you. And thank you, everyone. So looking forward to talking to you on our next episode. This has been Content Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.